One more time. Why don't we just clap our hands to him? The only God, Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. He's worthy today. Somebody's receiving something from the heavens. God is moving in this place. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to Apostolic Tabernacle. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. It's a sweet spirit, great, great singing, and just, just good to be with everybody. Do you feel the Holy Ghost that's moving in this place right now? God is doing a work, and he's speaking to our hearts. Amen. We're so glad to see you. There's no telling what God is going to do before this service ends today. Uh, we got folks going to be baptized. We know that, and hope you can stay. Praise God. I'm preaching this morning from the amazing life of Joseph. So if you'll grab your Bibles and turn to Genesis 37, I'm going to read a few verses there. This, will, this is the very first words about Joseph in the Bible. And we'll begin at the young son of Jacob, the tenth son. As God placed within Joseph a vision of profound restoration, revival for Israel's sons. Of course, Israel's the name of a man and a nation birthed out of Jacob. His name was changed. And at the time, it seemed ridiculous and crazy, but Joseph believed God that he could do exactly what he promised to do. Verse 2 said, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Belhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. That's what hate does to you. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaf stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Can you say amen at the reading of the word this morning? I want to preach a message entitled, The Cost of Restoration. There's a price to be paid, and God is faithful. He cannot lie. What he has promised, he is going to do. Could you lay your Bibles down, and let's, let's pray together and ask God to anoint the preacher this morning, shall we? Shall Let's pray together. Dear Father, 
I thank you for what we feel right now for Joseph's life from the pit to the palace. The reality that faced Joseph then could not be more real than it is right here today facing us. And Lord, I pray that as your coming approaches, Lord, we need revival. And you promised it and we're believing it. Put your hands together and say thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. The lives you're going to touch. Hallelujah. And I'm believing you, Lord, and I'm ready to pay the price. And I've counted the cost in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. That's a, that's a habit we have to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. So Joseph was merely 17 years old when God put the dream in his heart of the future salvation of his people, Israel. You know, God has always worked in ways that astound us, and he uses the most unlikely people, and he is able to work from the very beginning because God knows everything. And I am speaking to someone today that is wondering where you are in God's purpose in your life. Once you did believe and felt very strongly about it, but somehow the events and all the costs involved have made a change in your mind, and you're worried. Satan uses this to try to make you not believe. Maybe the doctors have said something. Or maybe it's happened in your family. Or maybe someone has been cruel. And so it's been difficult for you to understand how God could allow it to happen. And so it is that God is able, no matter what you're facing, God is able to help you in the midst of it all. Joseph himself was... uh, used of God, and when he heard this vision from the Lord, which was actually a dream, but because the dream became the vision of what was going to happen, and he was excited as he could get. So sometimes it is that we are uh, young and we see things in a certain way. In fact, it's quite obvious that Joseph was, uh, can I say spoiled? I think that Maybe that's the wrong word, but he was uh, very comfortable. We can say that he was the favorite and that that's a whole sermon right there. But uh, he let's say that he was spoiled and and he could never have imagined the cost of what was coming and the pain that he would face to be used of God to bring about the revival and the restoration of Israel that God had in mind. I am talking to people today that are wondering, Lord, where am I in your purpose and your plan? Some people can barely get through an entire week and get back to the house of God before they are wondering in their minds, Lord, am I really, was that really your voice? And is this really the plan of God? If there's ever been a time that you need to be certain of the voice of God, it is now. It is this day in which we live. Jesus is getting ready to split the eastern sky. He's going to come back for his people. And God is getting a church ready. And the devil wants you to believe that the price is too high. That you can't bear it. You can't pay it. So here was a young 17 year old. That's awfully young. I believe that's probably the age that David was when he faced his Goliath. 
God said, I'm going to use you, Joseph, to bring about the miraculous restoration of the sons of Jacob. I'm going to use you to get them where I need them to be. And uh, it seemed to him that uh, it, it was just going to be like a, 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 just this hallelujah time. You know, many people think of religion as sort of euphoric, as though it's just going to be, everything's going to, I'm not even going to have to eat any food. I'm just going to be, uh, just, I'm just going to have nourishment all the time. Don't have to worry about any problems. Somebody's going to pay my rent every month. It's just going to be wonderful. It's going to be like that never had a problem in my life. Not, not, I'm exaggerating. No one actually thinks those things I trust. But it was very picnic-like. Joseph felt that he was going to do all of these things. He saw it because God said it. And the devil also often looks at you thinking that you will not be willing. But we are here today to tell the enemy of our soul that we are ready to do whatever God has called us to do. We're going to preach the truth until the trumpet sounds. And we're going to love God regardless of what the devil does because God's promises are always true. Does anybody believe that today? God's promises are always true. Praise God. The ultimate purpose of God in using Joseph to receive favor and authority, God was going to do something in the life of this young man that would have been impossible. It's almost mind-boggling what was going to happen. And all Joseph could think of was, God has told me that it is so. We would see men bow down in the life of Joseph to this man, now the man Joseph, because God gave divine favor, which included the Pharaoh of Egypt himself. The Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet. God was going to draw Joseph into a plan that would involve things that were absolutely mind-boggling. And I am here standing today at this sacred pulpit. To say to you today that you knew that God has spoken to you of great things. You know what God has said. And God is able to fulfill exactly what he promised you. Does anybody here today believe that God is a healer? He's a healer. And I'm here to tell you that God is going to do what he said he would do. He's going to touch you and help you. Praise God. It may seem like an impossible thing that somebody like Pharaoh would be there next to you. But God knows what he's doing. God knows how to bring you where you need to be. But you've got to be willing to pay the price. There's a price. Joseph, you've got to realize. There's a cost. God is able to set your course ablaze with hope and power. He's able to do the things that you long to see that he spoke to your heart. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands and give him a little bit of praise? Lord, you spoke it to my heart. I know it's true. And I'm believing God. But you must hold to that dream of divine destiny. 
Praise God. I feel the spirit of prophecy in this place right now. I'm going to speak in prophetic tones here. God has said he would fill this church. He will use this church and he will restore those that have lost their way. Those some of which you love today. God has said it and it will come to pass. He is saying hang in there because I have a plan and I'm drawing them to myself. I wonder if anybody believes that. You just put your hands together and say, yes, Lord, I'm believing that. I am trusting God for that. I may have been young and foolish. I may have been a visionary, but I know my God. And I'm trusting him. You've got to hold to that dream. There's a divine destiny. God has a plan. Thank you, Jesus. I'm 63 years old. My hair's gray. I've lived my life. I'm thrilled to death to live for God. But I am saying to this church today, God has a purpose that is bigger than we are. God has a purpose. He wants to do things. He wants to do things that is more than sitting on a pew. He wants to draw us into things that will shake the very foundations of hell. Hallelujah. I wish somebody I wish somebody could believe this here this morning. He wants to draw us into places and fulfill miracles and dreams that would literally shake hell and shake the foundations of the enemy beneath our feet. Hallelujah. We've got to believe the dream of divine destiny. You see, that sounds like what the literarians called hyperbole. Sounds like a uh, pastor is, is uh, trying to really lift it high. And, and the fact of the matter is, I'm telling you with as much calm as I, <laughs> I can say it, that God has a whole lot more planned than us just coming and going through these doors. There's a Pharaoh somewhere that needs to hear the voice of a mighty God. And he's going to use you for that purpose. He's going to cause hell itself to be shaken because you dare to put your trust in the word of God and stand for what God has said. And as sure as we do, there is a price to be paid. So God would not give you a vision like he has of supernatural purpose. He gave you this vision. That's not just television working its uh self out in your mind. That's not some uh, religious notion that you received uh, because you were sitting around wondering. No, God places within the hearts of his chosen the vision of his power and his ability. So I'm speaking to someone right now that God has dealt with you about a particular person that is absolutely bound by sin. 
and in the throes and in the depth of sin. Imagine, as it were, someone struggling, as it were, in the water with, with the sin of a world all around them, and they are completely captivated. But God has shown you the hand of God reaching to that individual, and you know them well. And God has showed you, shown you that he's going to reach down and take them by the hand, and, and somehow... When that happens, they're going to, you see it by faith. Some of you are seeing by faith. And he grabs that arm and he begins to pull that struggling individual. That The devil says, no, 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 not him. You will never have him. I, I grabbed them. I took them right out of the church and drugged them in the streets of hell myself. You cannot have him. But God has shown you he's going to take them by the arm and he's going to lift from the depths of sin from the deep miry clay as the song says and of course the prophet as well he wouldn't have given you that vision of the supernatural if he did not know that you were capable of paying whatever cost might be he knew that you were capable you may get distracted you may have the cares of this world that interfere but he knew that in time you would see the value of giving yourself wholeheartedly to the Spirit. And so I am here to tell you to hold on to the hand of God. Could you reach your hand up with me right now and just say, Lord, I'm committing myself right now to the vision that you gave me. Praise God. Praise God. So you must surely know, first of all, that the devil is a liar. He doesn't intend that you will see God's will in your life. He is determined that he's going to distract you. And you know, the world we're in is filled with distractions. Most music in our culture is, is, uh, is pathetic. Even the most talented of artists are using their music to tell the wrong story. The most beautiful of people are using their beauty to lead people to the the very places they should never go. This is just the world that we live in. I don't know. Something tells me <laughs> that God's getting ready to, to do some things among. Do you know that that some of the richest people in the world are the loneliest people on the planet? You know that some of the most famous people in the world, and they got friends, they get drunk and they take their drugs, but they're really deep down inside, they're longing for something. I want to tell you what I believe. I believe God is able to reach right in there to where they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. He does not intend for you to believe and to continue to believe God's will for your life. And he will lie to you every second of every day. The Bible says that Satan, now this, think of this. The Bible says in John 8 that, that Satan is a liar. See, it'd be one thing to say, uh, and then he actually, Jesus adds that he is the father of lies. So in other words, the point I'm trying to make is that Jesus is, uh, that Jesus tells us that Satan 
is a liar. He's a deceiver. His everything he is doing is to keep you from believing that the cost is worth it. That God is able in the midst of everything, like when the devil says it's over, the doctors have said it's over. I've got news for you. The doctors may be fine, but they do not have the final answer. God has the final answer. God has the final answer. It's God that heals. It's God that said, I will heal my people. Woo! Hallelujah. Someone said to me just recently, uh, well, why, why didn't God heal them? And I said, well, why don't you ask him? Well, what they really wanted was an argument and because their whole point was that God doesn't heal. It didn't matter because I told them of, a, of an amazing uh, Unbelievable healing. I told here, uh, was it Wednesday night when we were at the camp, uh, Brother Woodward's from Canada, and he was telling of his great uncle, uh, who is a very famous Pentecostal, that I'd never heard this story, but he's, uh, the Pentecostals are going so fast, they're the fastest growing churches in the whole world. They're everywhere. I mean, you, you think they're not in a certain Muslim country, and then you find out there's hundreds and thousands of them over. Some of them getting over in the, in the woods over there and got a word some time ago of a bunch of them going up in the woods. And, and all of a sudden, they, they had to kind of keep their hands down like this. And then a spirit fell in the middle of the woods. And 4,000 of them received the Holy Ghost out in the woods because they were hungry for God. They knew the price they were going to have to pay. So I told him about uh, uh, some miracles. And I told the church this was because uh, I knew the man that said it, Brother Woodward would. Knew, knew his family well, and it was the first Jesus named people in Canada. And so, go back a hundred and something years, and so uh, his great uncle had a milk truck uh, that he was a milkman, and the truck somehow flipped over and hit him in the leg and busted his, it ended up busting his ankle and his foot and, and the bone. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> this French, uh, uh, sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> Well, the bone was there. Can I say it that way? <laughs> the bone that was inside wasn't inside. Am I okay with this so far? And it was sticking out, and the bone just cut right through the flesh. And uh, Brother Parent, who is the man I'm referring to, uh, God had told him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be with you. I'm going to give you the great church. Of course, he built a monster of a church. I mean, eventually, but, but as a young man, as a, delivering milk, and the truck busts his leg, and he came to his wife. And uh, and she said, oh, uh, honey, you you you, uh, you, you got to get in bed. We got to get a doctor over here. And he said, I, I, I'm not, I, I, I can't. I, I'm going to church. And and she said, you, can, you can't go to church. You got a bone stick, your bone sticking through your leg. Look at it, honey. Look at that. And he said, I know, but I've got to uh, I got to be at church. And and he said, I, whatever I can do, do, I can do at church. And so. Uh, you know, some people see a butterfly go by and, well, I can't go to church. But anyway, so uh, so there, there the bone was sticking through his leg. And he gets to church, and, and they're having a foot washing service. And uh, and the man's going to wash his feet. And I'll just do real abbreviated. <laughs> I'm getting the nod for an abbreviated version here. And so, uh, so they, uh, okay, I'm abbreviating everything. They, they come to wash his feet. And the gentleman bends down and and uh, and brother parent lifts that leg. 
and that bone is sticking out, and, and the, okay, I, I, I supposed to abbreviate that. And so the brother said, oh, Brother Leonard, you're, you're, uh, talk to him about it. <laughs> and, and, and he said, you can't put that foot in this water. This water is not clean. It's, it's, it's being used in public foot washing. You, you don't want to. He said, I can do whatever God wants me to do. And, I'm, and he plunges that foot into the water of that bucket so that man could wash his foot. And when he pulled his foot out of that bucket, the bone was back inside and he was completely healed up. I'm talking to some people today that the Lord has told you he's going to touch you. He's told you that he has a plan for your life, but the devil gets you to thinking, well, look at that. Look at that. Everything's dirty. Look at all this stuff. But I want to tell you, God's got a plan. You don't know how it may turn out, but God's got a plan. Praise God. The devil lies to you every second of the day. And the first thing that happened to Joseph was to go from favored rich kid to slavery. And not just human bondage, but he was sold into chains of human trafficking by his own family. He sold him for basically nothing to get rid of him so that they could say, well, we didn't murder him. We gave him to these guys. They thought they could override the purpose of God by lying to their dad, Jacob, and taking matters into their own hands. They thought they were going to really play quite an uh, eternal trick on this young boy who thought he was going to someday stand beside Pharaoh's. And they threw him, the Bible says, into a pit. The story is quite lengthy. I'm going to cut most of it out. And they schemed to get uh, rid of him by selling him to Midianite merchants, the King James says. That's the way it's translated. And concocting an elaborate story of how he'd been eaten by wild beasts. And that's the story they went back. The devil, I want to tell you right now, some of you have been hearing this beast story that it just gobbled them up and the blood's everywhere. But I've got news for you. God's got another story. The devil says you can't do it, but God is going to help you to do it. You say, I can never do that. But God is leading you to do it. You will do it. Praise God. So Joseph had to deal with the shock of hate and betrayal. But that did not. All of that, I'm not making light of it at all, but that did not alter God's purpose. Could you lift your hand and say, I believe God no matter what the devil does. I believe God no matter what the devil does. They thought they were destroying Joseph, but they were actually, listen, I, listen, I, I can't preach all day, but I'm trying to get you to hear me. That Joseph was told by God he was going to do something. And his brothers thought they were destroying not only his dream, but Joseph himself. That he was going to go down, he would be, I mean, you just think about Midianite merchants and what that all means up the coast there of the Mediterranean. But they were actually unwittingly, is that word too? 
weird? They were actually unknowingly. They were unaware of what they were doing. That's what I'm trying to say. They thought they were obliterating this little brother. But they were fulfilling the very plan of God. Which would lead Joseph to fulfilling God's purposes in his life. God has a plan for your life. The enemy is offering lies and distortions. Our world is in trouble. We are in perhaps the most faded time in American history. And yet God has said, God said, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out. I'm going to pour it out. Hallelujah. The secret is not to give up in the middle of what God is doing in your life. To not let the concern. Listen to me. Some of you are hearing it. It's death. That's what the enemy is saying. How many knows that David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. Oh, I feel, I feel a Joseph in the building. Somebody is making up their minds. No matter where I walk and no matter what the devil says, I'm not going to fear it. But I rod and the staff are with me. Praise God. Sure, everyone's pointing at you, Joseph, and they're judging you. And they're saying, why are you over there with those folks? And why are you doing this? And why do you? It does, none of that stuff matters because the world is plunging headlong into its own pathway. Broad is the way. They're just, they're just cramming in there. They can't wait to pay their nickel and get in and watch it. That's what they're doing. That's what they're about. But you have said, Lord, I need more than a nickel's worth. I need more than just another flicker. I need to know you, God. It's not at all what Joseph expected. That is to be sold to Midianites. But God knows what he is doing. Young, yes. Joseph was young. Yes, it should have destroyed him, but no, he believed his God. I'm believing God more than my circumstance. I heard the voice. I saw the dream. I knew it was God. And Joseph would determine to pay whatever price was necessary. Is anybody listening to me here today? You've got to make up your mind, Joseph. Restoration will come. But you've got to let it come in my time. I'm God. I will do it. Put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. He would be mightily used of God. In God's time. So. It didn't look glamorous. Being a slave to an Egyptian family. Because once the Midian sold him. 
And they made a prophet. He ended up in, in an Egyptian home of a fairly, uh, let's not discuss Potiphar very long. But the main thing, of course, was that it looked hopeful. And this is the devil's trick to make you think that, you know, you've done this and you've done all these things. This is it. Today's my day. It's going to happen today. And then you see he's trying to fool you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reach over there. God's going to then make you think God disappointed you. And it may be disappointing. I'm not minimizing that. But no, working for, for Potiphar was not glamorous. Here's what the Bible says. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. That's told of him in the house of Potiphar. Nothing went right in the house of Potiphar except Joseph was seen for, they said, man, this is the smartest kid we've ever met. This guy can do anything. I mean, he was, he was a whiz kid. He was, the, he was the best thing ever happened to him. But the family was so filled with immorality, and Joseph said, I, 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 no matter what, I will not betray God, my God. Lord, so the Lord says, I'm, I'm with you, Joseph. And, the Lord, and Joseph says, I can go anywhere, Lord, and I can bear anything just as long as I know that you're with me, Lord. I've got to know that you're there. The devil tells you, doesn't look like God's helping you much, Joseph. You see all this you've been doing and God said all this stuff about Pharaoh and look at you, here's Potiphar and look at the way they're living. Look at the kind of world you've got to live in. Potiphar's evil wife is lying about you because you wouldn't live like the devil that she is. So she lies. That's the way it always works. Because, see, lies can be very effective. But let me tell you where they do not work. They do not work in God's plan. <laughs> Woo! God's got a plan. I'm not falling for that. Because God's got a plan for my life. And I will not betray him. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can do what you want. And they said, good. And they threw him in prison. So look at the cost he's already paid. And he's not seen a single day of freedom since he was 17 years old. But Joseph had the spirit of God's people in the last days. And he said, this looks like my last straw. And most people would have said, yep. Yeah, you drew the short straw. So throw your hands up and give it up. But Joseph said, no, I will live as though my dream is going to be fulfilled today, even in this prison. So the king's cupbearer, the, the King James calls him the, uh, what's it say there, the uh, butler, uh, which is, is okay, of course, but he was... He's literally the cupbearer of the Pharaoh. 
I may call him the king, but he's, he's technically the Pharaoh. And he falls over there next to Joseph. And they say, Joseph, you got to take care of this guy. The king is upset, and the baker was thrown. I'm not going to tell you about the baker, but so uh, Joseph was made the steward, and he was basically running the prison. That's, that's the idea. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the cupbearer wakes up. He st- stands up, and he says, uh, Oh, oh my goodness, Joseph, I have had a horrible dream. I can't explain it, but, but in the night I saw these vines. They were growing, and then they lifted me up, and, and I took the grapes, and I squeezed the grapes, and it ran into the king's cup. I saw it like that, and, and I, I don't know what it means. You've got to tell me what it means, and he said, I know exactly what it means. Because God has given me the power to know God's meaning in a dream. And he said, well, what is it? What does it mean? And he says, the three vines are three days. And you will be lifted into the king's presence. And he will receive you back to himself. Joseph, when I'm restored, I won't forget you. I'm just telling you, Joseph, I'll never, ever forget what you've done for me. They came in, they got him, they walked him out, and in all the festivities, you see, the clamor and the clanking can cause people to forget all about what their intentions were. But see, Joseph knew that the dream that God had given the cupbearer was his own dream. It was exact. I mean, different. In, in Joseph's dream, there were cows that were eating other cows. And God said, I'm going to restore. And there's going to be famine and all of this. And, and, and Joseph had a dream that his brothers were going to bow down to him. And then the dream that the Pharaoh has in just a moment is when he says the cows are going to eat, the fat cows are going to be eaten by the skinny cows. But Joseph understood all of these things. And I feel like I'm talking to someone today that you know it in your heart. You know that what just happened there was meant to show you that God, God is going to lift you into the presence of Pharaoh. But it happened to this guy who was just cast out. But you see, God wanted Joseph to see that it wasn't just about you standing there. It's about restoration. I'm able to take the guy that fell from grace and is at the bottom and right before your eyes. Now, Joseph, I told you that years ago. And I'm doing this for a fella that doesn't even know me. And I'm bringing him right back into the favor of the king. Do you know how long it was before that guy ever remembered that Joseph had saved his life? (laughs) That Joseph had explained to him. The baker literally lost his head. You've heard of people losing their head. Well, he did. It was two long years. Joseph was forgotten. But Joseph 
did not forget what God had promised. And that night, Pharaoh couldn't sleep, fitful sleep, and said, I saw these cows, and somebody's got to tell me. And the cupbearer, you know, the cupbearer, if you were here the other night, he preached on Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer. The cupbearers became like the confidence of confidants of the kings. And, and he said, I, I, you can't believe it. I, this dream is just driving me crazy. And the cupbearer says, oh, oh, king, I know 